Hello and welcome to Self-Taught Devs. If this is your first time joining us, this is a podcast where two self-taught developers discuss the learning and growth experience for folks just getting into the industry. My name is Eric Winklespecht. And I'm Matt Ehrlich. And it's been a little while, but we have a guest with us this week, and we'd, we'd like to welcome Devante Moore. Devante, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing amazing. I appreciate you guys inviting me on. You yeah, man, of both, course. You guys are doing a real good job on LinkedIn and branding yourself, so honored to be here. Oh, thank you. Uh, I know we've been in contact a bunch on LinkedIn, but this is our first time getting to actually like chat. Um, I'm where you and Matt had a little conversation before, but we want to just kind of tell your story, see what's going on with you, um, get to hear your experiences. And we're going to ask you a bunch of questions along the way. And I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, it it's I'm, I'm down. I'm ready to add some value to your audience. Yeah, for sure. And uh, take us back a little bit, maybe before you even got into to software. What were you doing before you got into software? And what were the steps leading up uh, to you starting to to learn about it? Okay, so for me, I come from a, I want to say a warehouse background, mainly. I've had a ton of jobs, but a majority of my background was the warehouse. I worked at Dell when they were a thing, and I used to enjoy that because they, it was normally like a, like a nine-month contract, and then they would kind of force you to kind of leave, and then you would get unemployment, so it was like a free vacation. Um, so I did a lot of warehouse work. Then I did a lot of just odd jobs after that. I'm just trying to find my way. Um, I did, I worked at apartment complex, like doing the groundskeeping. Um, I worked at daycares, I worked at retail. Um, and then eventually I was going to school for music because um, that was a huge passion of mine. And a lot of front end devs, if I'm not mistaken, like they come, they have like a music background, something about the music mind and like development, it just works together. Um, so I was trying to finish that. And then somehow I want to say I saw a video on YouTube where it was this guy, he was um, he was he was doing like his capstone computer science project. And he had a um this idea where he built the software where if you play like chords on the piano, the software will kind of give you like the counter melody. And I thought, oh man, that was pretty, that was pretty cool, especially having that music background. So that definitely sparked something in me. Uh, eventually I ended up getting a two-year degree. Um, in computer science at Nashville State Community College because I'm in Tennessee. Um, and then from there, I would say my journey was pretty chaotic. <laughs> if you go to, um, if, if you want to really sum up my journey, go to, there's this blog. This, I think it was pretty popular called JavaScript is Sexy. And if you hit like Command F and type in my name, you see, you'll see that I asked a question like eight years ago. So I started this eight years ago and I'm like just now kind of breaking into the industry because I had no idea what I was doing. I went from like, building you know mobile apps to learn a php i was just just chasing just going in circles because i didn't have a plan i didn't have a focus which is where a lot of my advice comes from now it's that time spent just sort of not walking in wisdom and realizing man i should have did xyz um and i kind of take those experiences and try to help kind of junior devs avoid eight years of kind of i don't want to say wasted time but like eight years of being in the wilderness you know so so from that that introduction, then let's say you know that eight years ago, posting on on that blog or that website, what what did that look like then to you know get your learning journey up and started? How long did it take you to actually like get into your first role? So I want to say it probably took. I mean, I got my so my last gig, and I probably posted this. I actually just got like go from from that gig, but that started that role. Um, what was that? Yeah, last year. So. 
technically you could say eight years, but here's the thing. During that time, I didn't have, I just love code. I wasn't interested in getting a job. Like that mm-hmm. wasn't my goal. Like I just, I just love code and I, and I, and I learned, and I just love learning and, and, and growing my skill set. I thought I was going to, cause during that time, that's when kind of like mobile apps were kind of huge and all these kind of mobile app millionaires were kind of being made. So in my mind, I was like, I'm going to do something like that. I never had a goal of getting a job. It was always like, I want to do something entrepreneurial, something just sort of outside of the box. So you can say eight years, but realistically, it was never my goal. I, it wasn't a goal until 2020, probably one of the worst times to get into this industry when COVID hit. Um, that's when I finally decided it's like, you know, kind of enough is enough. I took that opportunity. I actually got laid off from my data entry job. I took that opportunity to kind of focus on React Native for a little bit. Um, I built a mobile app that I started, that I used to kind of market myself on LinkedIn. Um, so 2020 was when I said, okay, let me get away from this whole app millionaire dream and get something a little bit more realistic. Um, and I just decided to kind of focus more on trying to get an actual career. Right. So, so looking back at those eight years, are there any things that you would have changed during your, your learning and building process and maybe in what you were learning? Um, if so, what were those things? I probably would have got a mentor whether digitally or like in real life. Cause I feel like mentors don't always have to be like this person, you know, in real life, but like, I would have tried to find someone that could have kind of broke down just the different paths of tech. Um, Cause I think that's something that a lot of juniors don't know. I think right now the path that a lot of people know um, is HTML, CSS, JavaScript. Right. And that path is so competitive because it's just so that's kind of like the, it, it, it's, I don't want to say cliche, but it's just a well-known path. I wish I would have had someone break it down. Like, Hey, there's the mobile path. Hey, there's, you know, people might, might not even know this. Like there's a thing called sales, Salesforce developer, right? That's a path. There's WordPress at the time it was Python and Django was kind of big. Um, and I was just trying to figure that out. There's a lot of paths to um, consider. Um, and I think if you're, and I was self-taught. So if you're self-taught or even if you decide to go to a boot camp, like just kind of be aware of, just the different paths you can go down in tech. I think when I think a lot of people think tech equals, you know, CSS and JavaScript. It's like, no, it's way bigger than that. And there's so many opportunities. Um, there's freelance roles, there's contract roles, there's full-time roles. Um, so that's something I definitely would have done. Let's see what else, focus. So that's something that I preach a lot on LinkedIn because it was a mistake that I made. Like I was just all over the place. Uh, I, I started with Python was trying to understand the difference between like a server and a database. And I was just trying to learn too many things at once. I went from Python to PHP. I thought I was going to do WordPress. Um, Then I started with, then I think I went to like JavaScript and React and I was just all over the place. I never had like a set intention and a set vision for myself. And then a goal. Um, I think I never really had a goal like a really concrete goal. Like in my mind, I thought, yeah, you know, I want to do apps and maybe be one of these like young kids that, you know, make millions from some iOS app. But that was in the back of my head. I never had a plan. So I think mentorship, having focus and getting a plan are like three things I would definitely encourage like, you know, self-taught junior devs to have. I would love to hear more about your take on the path, right? Because I think, you know, Matt and I are of the path of, you know, going in through that web dev JavaScript kind of route, right? And it is extremely popular. And like you're saying, extremely competitive. 
how do you recommend going about getting more exposure to what those other paths are? And I know you said find a mentor, but let's right. have the understanding that maybe that's a little bit difficult for some folks who are kind of just getting their start or right. maybe aren't as, I don't know, active in the social communities and, and finding some folks to kind of help them guide that path. But what what are your recommendations? Because I know, you know, you and I kind of connect a little bit more about um, React Native stuff here and there. Uh, we talk about Salesforce, which I'm familiar with it. I've looked into it a little bit, but I've never actually like dived in and tried to learn a lot about it. What's worth the time to investigate? How do you see what's out there? So it's going to take a little bit of legwork. Like you're just going to have to be curious. I mean, this might sound cliche, but good old Google start, just start, hey, software developer opportunities, software jobs, types of software jobs. Like, you know, you know, ChatGP, you know, one of the benefits of that is when you ask the right questions, like you get, you can start getting somewhere. So it's just a matter of like being curious and just seeking information. I know that doesn't sound sexy, but that's really, I mean, it's either that or you wait for something to happen. Right. And I prefer to be, you know, take initiative and just be curious and just start asking, like asking, you know, if I'm, if you know, software developers, like, so there was a guy at my church, he's, um, he was a JavaScript developer. So right off the bat, you know, just being around him and seeing how he had to spin his wheels, always learning new um, front end frameworks. Like I already had, I already had that knowledge that, that, okay, if I get into this JavaScript world, like I might have to constantly be context switching because JavaScript is known. I mean, there's memes about there always being a new JavaScript framework, you know, so I already kind of knew that beforehand. So if, if there's someone in your, your space, you know, and, you know, offline or even online, you know, just, just ask people questions. <clears throat> That's what I would suggest. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, for sure. I know you mentioned during you know your your pretty long journey to get into tech. Um, you mentioned that alternate routes that people can take. Did you take any of these routes? Did you maybe pick up some freelance jobs or or do something on the side? If so, what what were they? Yeah, so I did do some freelance work when I started off. Something it it, it was one of those things that kind of just came to me. Um, like my first gig came through a client on LinkedIn. He actually reached out. Um, and it was actually just a CS, it was kind of CSS heavy. There was a little bit of React, but it was a React CSS um, freelance role, just kind of building UI. Um, and that was just sort of a blessing. Like that wasn't something I sought after, but once it did happen, I started to realize, oh, okay, there's some other opportunities outside of just the, tra the traditional full-time path. Another opportunity kind of came, I was just kind of scrolling on LinkedIn I don't want to say mindlessly, but, you know, just kind of general scroll and just trying to see, see what's out there. And I saw someone in California had needed help um, for a project. So I, I had noticed that a lot of people were commenting saying, hey, I'm interested. So I decided to kind of think outside the box and kind of direct message him, sent them like my portfolio site, and I ended up landing a gig like that. I found another one on Upwork. Um, I was just searching like I said, just being curious, just searching, just trying to hustle. And I found like a little small contract role um, through a company, um, through Upwork. So it does take, it is a different mindset. It does take a little bit of hustle, but you know, it can pay off. So let's, let's move forward then. So you're doing those freelancing projects or you're finding some gigs that way. Uh, what, what leads you to the full-time role? How do you transform from, I'm not really looking for a job doing code. It's more of a hobby and a passion to now working and finding something full-time. So what kind of like inspired that or led me to that? Yeah. What what brought you there? How did you how did you find that path then to getting that full-time role? I think I was 
kind of like, so the work I was doing before, um, like my full-time role was just sort of dead end. It wasn't really getting me anywhere. And unfortunately, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, warehouse work or even data entry work. But as far as, you know, a financial ceiling, it was pretty, it was pretty low. It was just kind of dead end. I wasn't really getting anywhere. It was kind of safe. Um, the work was just super monotonous. Um, so for me, I was at that point, I think I was kind of motivated to say, hey, I want to grow. I don't want to kind of be stuck. Um, and then when, once I kind of made that decision, that's that's when the kind of LinkedIn marketing, trying to network. And I had I had already kind of knew about um, content marketing. So I figured I probably would need that. Um, and it did pay off. And that's actually how I got my full-time role was I sent a post. And I want to say the post I sent was something along the lines of, you know, I wanted to reconsider doing more freelance work because having multiple clients at, at once is a lot safer, especially when this, you know, economy where people are getting laid off. And then um, someone had reached out and said, oh, yeah, I kind of know a company that kind of does that. And they were kind of looking for some freelance work. Um, and I ended up doing freelance work for them. And then that actually turned into full time work. So started with content. That's another reason why I preach, preach content, because you never know when, who, where, you know, it's kind of like a lottery ticket, but, you know, it works. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I know, and I see that's definitely something that you talk a lot about on LinkedIn. So what prompted you to really decide like, okay, I really have to learn some marketing and, and really get myself out there. And then how did you first start doing that? So I want to say for me, so there was a role I had that wasn't, it wasn't a tech role. Um, it was sort of like just a temporary role. I'm um, just doing some kind of admin stuff. And I had a lot of idle time. And during that time, I had just sort of come across like this blog on like Facebook ads. And he was just talking about, you know, how to do Facebook ads, using content marketing, using blogging. And I was just fascinated. Like I actually kind of had like a paradigm shift. I was almost like, I don't even think I want to do code anymore. Like I was just fascinated with just how like just the marketing world and the tools, Google Analytics, like how that all kind of works together. Um, and I was sort of like in this crisis, I was just like, okay, I, I like development, but man, I like this whole digital marketing thing too. Um, so I kind of had that marketing bug. And for me, it, luckily it just worked out. When I decided to go into tech, I kind of felt like, hey, I knew content marketing was a thing. You know, we probably heard of stories where someone does a, a TikTok or YouTube short or video and they get discovered. And now they're on some commercial, getting all kinds of publicity and fame and fortune now just through content. And so to me, it's like, I think we have to pay attention to this. Like when you hear these stories over and over, you know, one time's coincidence, twice is a pattern. So it's like, once you see it over and over, I think you have to say, okay, how can I use this for myself? And it works. It, you know, you can take, even though those stories are a little bit, they may be different than tech, but the idea that content can bring opportunities is a real thing. Let's talk about content, right? Let's talk about how you position yourself in content, because I think that's a super interesting topic, especially, I don't know, I think the more I engage on LinkedIn, I have to... I have to somehow manipulate my algorithm because so much of it is I see the same kinds of things over and over again now, which are primarily like, you know, folks that have been in the industry for several years, giving their takes on how to get into the tech industry. And most of those posts are the same kinds of things, which are saying, you know, legitimate advice, right? Like make projects, put yourself out there, post about it, talk about what you're doing, network, uh, network with people or um, send out applications, like all the, all the things you can do. Everybody's saying, do all the things. Mm -hmm. How do you stand out then amongst a sea now of of people kind of marketing themselves? Because I think even though it's still general advice, like you should be doing it, 
a lot of people aren't doing it, but I think a whole mess of people now are because they see the value in it and it helps them connect. But like, how do you make yourself different? What do you do? I think with me, I'm a tactics and strategy guy. So just like how you were saying, everyone is telling people, oh, this is how you get into tech. It's sort of like the diet industry. Like we all know how to lose weight, but the actual tactics, like how do you find tactics and strategies for you? Right. So in tech, it's like, okay, yeah, network with people and um, go on LinkedIn. But what are some actual like tactics and strategies you can do if you're like, let's say you're an introvert and someone's like, oh, make content. But what if you're introverted? So what do you, you know, you want this person to make YouTube videos where they have their face and stuff on. So it's like, I try to talk about tactics and strategies for like, so if you're an introvert, like I would probably tell you, hey, make maybe more technical um, tutorials, right? As a content strategy, you know, because usually those people like on YouTube, the ones that I'm assuming are introverted because they won't have like audio, they won't have video, but man, their tutorials are just fire, you know, like they really are able to break down some, some things. So I try to focus on tactics and strategies and also bring real life experience. Like when I lost my job, like I just had some epiphanies. Like one of them was I don't think I really want to focus on investing, right? Everyone says, oh, you know, investing is like romanticized right now, you know, side hustles, investing. I'm like, no, I think the better strategy would have been to save. Like if I, I mean, and don't get me wrong, like I'm, you know, I'm in a good spot. I'm not hurting for money, but I wish I would have saved even more and not even really invested because I, I'm realizing that that beginning journey of tech is very volatile and there's stability is just not on your side. And the only way you can combat uncertainty is through wisdom. And that's in, in my mind and um, saving and saving heavily in the beginning. So I, I try to, you know, kind of separate myself from the crowd by just, just thinking about the whole picture. Cause right now, like you said, like everyone tech is breaking into tech is romanticized. People aren't trying to, they aren't, they're not real with you. Right. So you see this post, Oh, he got the job or she got the job. Oh, that's nice. L let me, let's talk to them six months later. <laughs> How do they feel about the job? Like, I know these things. Like, I like to talk about, like, oh, actual experiences I've been through. Because I know I've seen people post things on LinkedIn where they got a job. And then, like, literally, and when I say literally, I mean literally, like, a few days later, they're posting that they're on the look for a new job, right? And I've talked to people, um, you know, through DMs. I don't want to disclose names because I want to keep that private. But there's some people, they're not happy with their roles. You know, the roles weren't what they, they the roles weren't what they thought they were. They weren't necessarily doing technical stuff. Um, maybe they were doing marketing. Maybe they were doing data entry. <clears throat> so I know the realities. And I'm not here to just build a brand off of, you know, positivity. Like, I know the realities of this game. And I try to <clears throat> bring that to the table and give strategies to help you avoid and navigate those realities. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of the things that you talk about, especially uh, I think I read one of your posts actually about saving. And I was like, this isn't directly like tech related, but it is such good wisdom right here, right? Because, you know, especially thinking about when you talk about some of the volatility in the tech market, this is a tip that is really, really important for people to understand, but it's not something that really anyone else talks about. And that's why I enjoy your content so much because you talk about a lot of those things that no one else is talking about right and it is i guess a little bit less sexy in in the in the tech world but it's such practical knowledge so what what was like the shift in maybe talking about that sort of stuff and why do you think not a lot of other people really talk about it that much 
I don't know. I don't know if it was a shift. It's just who I am. Like the way I analyze things. I mean, it's it's part of my gift. It can sometimes be a curse. You overanalyze stuff, but it's just kind of who I am. Like I like to look at the whole picture, right? I can, you know, if someone is just talking about, you know, half the picture or 75%, like I'm thinking about that other, that other half or the other 25%. So it's just, I mean, it's just kind of my nature. I mean, that doesn't sound sexy, but that just is what it is. Um, and I like to find the nuance in things too. Like I, I like to think on a nuance level and the layered level, because a lot of things are right. Most of these things are complex and it's not just about being positive and you can do it and network on LinkedIn. There's so much more to it. And and actually being having it multiple experiences has, you know, allowed me to think like that. And then what's the second part of your question? If, if this is such important information, right? And people, mm -hmm. a lot of people brand themselves as maybe a guru or a mentor, but then when you look at their content, they're not talking about this important stuff like that, right? right? So why do you think that may be? I, I think positivity sells. Uh, I think right now, I think people want to, you know, be told, hey, you can do it. No one wants to really talk about like, maybe this isn't for you, right? I've had posts where it's like, tech is not for everyone. Like trying to encourage everyone to get into this industry is not a good idea. Like if you don't have, like you have to have a certain resolving grit because it's tough out here. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like it's tough, especially right now in this economy. And you got to have certain strategies and tactics like you know, I've been thinking about this mentality of like, I, I think if you have like, there's kind of two mentalities, like a now mentality and a later mentality. So right now is not the time for a now. Like I got to get a job now. I got to, you know, um, I got to learn this now. It's like, that's not the time. Like right now is a later mentality. It's like, I want to, I'm going to invest time for hopefully uh, some future prospect, you know, down the road and just being a little bit more patient. Because just this idea of thinking that, hey, I'm going to get it now, man, good luck. And I think that's why people, and when you have that mentality, I think strategies and tactics follow. So you got to get it now. Then it's like, okay, I'm going to try to send in a thousand cold, you know, applications or um, easy upload on LinkedIn versus content is a little bit more slower. It's more strategic and, and it's more, you know, you're thinking like a farmer, right? You're planting seeds now and then you're waiting for the next season, you know? I would love to take a step back and talk a little bit more about your experience, Devante, in taking that first role, your first full-time role, right? Because like, you know, you said you've spoken to a lot of people who either they take that role and then they yeah, let go from that role or they're unhappy in that role and it's not quite what they expected. What was your experience like? What did you expect going in and then what was the reality? So for my last role, so I know you said my first one. I would consider my last one, my first one. I did have a full-time role before that, but that didn't end well. We can talk about that later. But my last one, which I'll consider like my, a true like junior full-time role. Um, so for me, I actually started off freelancing um, for them. And the way I sold myself was, I kind of use a strategy that um, Chick-fil-A uses when they're hiring managers. And what they try to do is, they don't try to like romance you into the position. They actually try to like lead you away by telling you like, Hey, you're going to miss, you know, family night. Hey, you're not going to be able to catch that baseball game because they want to, they want you to feel the reality of this job. Right. Cause a lot of people just think, Oh, I'm going to get this management role make all this money. It's like, no, it's going to be sacrifice. So that's how I kind of sold myself to them. I'm like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not a mid, I'm not a senior. Like this is where I'm at. Like I'm at the junior level. This is my experience. I'm, I'm not going to like, you know, my strategy was to be open and honest and like, hey, this is where I'm at. 
And thankfully they knew that, like they knew that and they treated me like, you know, a junior dev. And I was able to level up during that time because I approached them like, Hey, this is, this is, this is me. Like, I'm not going to try to um, oversell myself and say, Oh yeah, I'm full stack and this and that. And no, like, this is where I'm at. Um, and I think they knew that um, I was upfront about it. And I think that's what made it a really good experience. Like they knew where I was at. They were like, Hey, they knew I was at the junior level and they treated me like that. They didn't assume they I knew this or that, you know, they put me in, sometimes they put me in deep waters just to kind of test where I was at, but you know, they actually trained me up and I grew a lot because of that. Um, as opposed to some company saying it's a junior job, but treating you like it's a mid or a senior, which I actually had that happened to me before. And it was so horrific experience, which is why like on my newsletter, um, Death with Devante, I tell people like one of my articles is about like asking, hey, is this a junior role? Because a lot of people just assume like, don't assume just because they say it is like, like find out and ask questions to make sure that it is. And, you know, one of the questions you can ask is like, hey, how are your junior roles different from your mids? How are the expectations different? And if it's not explicit and concrete and in depth, like I'm running right because there should be because juniors you know in, in more senior roles there should be the expectations and the work should be different what are some things and they don't even have to be technical maybe just about the industry in general what are some things that you learned from that first job um, or maybe some things that you didn't expect within the industry from that first role so yeah my last company i worked for so let's see i learned a lot yeah you're gonna, i'm gonna have to um I want to make sure I, I'm, I'm thinking about this correctly. Uh, so <clears throat> I think just more intentionality with your code. When you're coming from like this self-taught space and you're kind of, you know, you kind of just, you just don't know what you don't know, right? We hear that all the time, but it's true. Like you're just sort of like these tutorials aren't teaching you like professional coding tactics. Like, you know, when you see, you know, people post about, hey, making sure your variables are named explicitly and, and named correctly. Like that's a real thing. Like my lead dev, you know, you know, got on me when I say got on me, not in a negative way, but like during PR reviews, like, hey, you know, let's make this better. So the next person can understand, you know, what this variable actually does, like, he would point those things out. If I'm doing some type of logical operation where I'm kind of repeating myself, you know, and there's like a, a better way to do it in JavaScript, like he would point that out and just professional coding is what I kind of gained. And there might be I think it's really hard to get that unless you get that experience. Like PR reviews are, I think, amazing for leveling up because they help you sort of, you're more conscious about things, um, about the algorithms you use. And just a lot of, yeah, I would say that's the biggest thing I learned is just how to how to code on a professional level, um, making sure you're, you know, everything down from, you know, function, um, function names or variable names, making sure your functions are just doing a single thing versus multiple things, making sure you're, you're adhering to react best practices. A lot of things that you kind of forget in, in a tutorial, because I think the focus with most tutorials are, let's just make this CRUD operation and just do all this fancy stuff with all this technology, but the implementation uh, and on how to actually implement it in a professional way, it's not always there. So just coding on a professional level was the biggest thing for me. That's that's huge. So what what now is kind of next for you in in your path and your journey, right? I know you started and you just mentioned your your newsletter. Let's talk a little bit about that. How's how's that going for you so far? Yeah, I I, I love writing. I love creating, and it's funny how writing and code kind of um, 
kind of go hand in hand because you're like, I'll write all this mess and then I have to go back and edit it. It's like, oh, don't need that up. Oh, don't need this. And it's the same thing with code. It's like, go ahead and code, get it working and then go back and say, I don't need this. You know, why do I have this if statement here? Like, I don't even need to, you know, like it, it's the same thing. Um, so I enjoy writing. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy breaking things down in a way that's meaningful um, for others. And I've also found that teaching is actually learning. Like it's a learning mechanism for me because it helps me find gaps in my learning. Um, I actually just did, I'm actually working on a um, tutorial for, um, it's on React Native and um, TypeScript. And it's talking about, I'm talking about using the use ref hook and the forward ref hook. And I used it and I know, and I thought I knew how it worked, but then when I tried to break it down and, and teach it, I was like, oh, why does, you know, like I had to, cause I had to, I had to think about my audience. I had to think about you guys. Like I kind of knew how it worked intuitively, but then once I started trying to break it down, I was like, oh, why does this do this? And I, it, it made my, it increased my knowledge of those things through teaching. So I would highly encourage people, like if you're trying to learn, I, I would teach, like, even if you don't want to teach, just teach for yourself because it's going to force you to think about things on a deeper level. Because if you're trying to teach it to someone, they're they're going to want to know the why, the how, and all that stuff. Whereas you can kind of, with code, it's one of those weird things where you can figure out something without understanding it. And that's the problem. Teaching forces you to understand what you just figured out. So yeah, that's where I'm at with my journey. As far as where I'm going to go, I don't know, wherever God takes me, because I have no idea right now. I'm kind of I feel like I'm kind of a jack of all trades right now where it's like, I like to teach. I like to create content. I like to code. So I have no idea. We will see you, you guys, you know, you know, just as much as I do right now, which is very little. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, I know you mentioned uh, being a jack of all trades, but you also talk about niching down and sort of being an expert in, in something. Yep. So what what prompted you to to go after that instead of just learning this technology and being okay in that technology and then being all right in that one? Because I, I actually I, I want to be good at something, right? Like I don't want to like go through my life and it's like, you know, I'm you know I don't have like I'm all right or I'm okay. Like I think if you ask most people, hey, do you want to be average? I think most people are going to be like, no, right? Um, and, and my, you know, to me, I feel like most people like the way to not be average and the way to be a master at something is to focus, right? I think there's that Bruce Lee quote where he's like, I'm not afraid of the guy that practices a thousand kicks, but I'm afraid of the guy that practices one kick a thousand times. Um, I think you have to focus to like, to, to have mastery and to get good at something. And I feel like, especially in today's economy where, you know, in uncertainty, I mean, I think I put this in a post, I was like in an uncertain economy. I, I want to be known as an expert and not a dabbler or a generalist. I'm not saying that that doesn't have its place, but I really want to get good at something before I start dabbling around. And like I said, I also realized too, in my journey when I, so I started in 2020, like the whole career sw a switch. So from that time until now, I have context switched like crazy. So am I thinking I, you know, I was thinking like, what if I just like stuck with something for like these last three years? I think I would have been pretty close to a master by now, but I'm not, you know, because I was just constantly going from this technology and this technology or those eight years that I mentioned. What if I just mm -hmm. focused on one thing for these eight years? I'd probably be a senior level dev right now. Yeah. Eight years is a, it's a lot of time to just put focus onto one specific thing. And who knows what you could have gotten out of that. But I mean, you know, I, I, I think it's it's an interesting perspective to have now on your path of all that time and kind of where it brought you 
but also i don't know are you satisfied with where it brought you do you think that you're going to have opportunities in front of you like doesn't sound like you're doing bad right right again like that's a for me it's like i have no idea what the future holds right mm-hmm. there's like a there's a verse in the bible where it's like you know you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow right none of us do only thing i can do is just use this time that i have now is just to keep investing it you know keep learning keep teaching keep growing keep com- keep connecting and at the end of the day you know it's it's about just planting seeds and just see where they grow you know l- life is you know part of, there's always a risk factor but you know, all, all I can do is just take my passion and just um, apply it every day and just just walk in the wisdom. I know just be diligent, just keep connected with folks like like you guys on podcasts, just keep putting in the work and let the results because results are outside of my control. Right. It's just not all I can do is just put in the work and just see what happens. So I know you mentioned some of the differences between, let's just say, making some projects on your own. And then when you got your first job, maybe um, writing some code for a business. Um, what are some of the differences uh, between those two processes? And how was that like for you? So on my job, it was actually a client-facing position, meaning that I actually got to talk to and you know um, have meetings with the client, which is a little bit different. It was a small startup, um, which is probably going to be a lot different than your average sort of Fortune 500 company where you're probably, you might just kind of be treated like another cog in a wheel and you're just coding. So that was a big difference. And then also two deadlines. So it made me realize very quickly that, you know, when you're coding and doing stuff on your own, there's a stress factor that you that's not there that once you get a job, like it hits you, right? When you have a deadline, and you got to do some demo for a client. It's like, oh, wow, cortisol levels are, are increased, um, especially when you're trying to like fix bugs. And it's like a couple hours, you know, before you got to demo this project to a client. And that's, that actually happened to me where it was like, literally, like I'm trying to like build out a feature and struggling. And it's like, you know, this deadline is hitting. Um, so that's something to to be mindful of and actually ask during an interview. It's like, hey, is this like a client facing job? You know, will I have to interact with the client, you know, one-on-one? You know, will I have to, you know, present demos? Um, and also too, asking about deadlines. And that actually goes back to, you know, when we were talking about the difference between junior and mid, Right. To me, the expectation should be, hey, if you're a junior, you, you know, a lot of the pressure shouldn't be on you in the beginning. Right. That should be on the more mid the senior level devs because they have the experience and the know how. Um, So that's a really good interview question I would ask um, either before or during an interview. Like, hey, is this client facing? Um, And then also asking about, you know, deadlines and how, you know, they approach that with their junior, their junior team. What uh, what would you recommend then? Like, give us some strategies you know, of, of what you've learned then with facing deadlines and, and challenges and how would you go about transitioning from like your standard self-taught who might not be imposing deadlines on themselves to finish their projects and what would be some recommendations? How do you impose a deadline? How do you start estimating how long work should take you? Like, what do you do? I guess if you want to post, oh, you know, when I did just right off the top of my head, like go on, go on LinkedIn and say, hey, um, I have a project I'm working on and put out like a public date you know, of like, hey, um, the goal is to finish it by this date. Like, if you want to add pressure on yourself, <laughs> that's one way. You no, know, because now it's public. Now you, you know, and when we're when we do something publicly, it's like we definitely want to be consistent with that. Um, it's actually like a kind of a psychological thing. It, if you read the book Persuasion, the author that talks about that, like doing public commitments, because it people want to be consistent, right? People don't want to say something in public and not commit to it. So that's one idea. 
freelance work can kind of introduce you to that too. Like if you're doing like a 10 hour freelance role where there are expectations to get something done, I think that's a good way to get started um, without the full pressure of like a, you know, full-time job is a good starter. So there's a couple ideas as far as, and then I guess just the mental shift. So this is what I would say too. This is going to be, it's easier to say than do, but like, don't stress about it. Cause I literally like crushed that um, demo. Like I did a good job and I like, I want to say like a few hours after that I had, that's when I was told I was going to let go after getting praised for, you know, doing a good job with this demo and just doing a good job overall. So don't even stress yourself. I mean, I, I know I brought, I brought up that it's going to be stressful, but don't stress yourself with the stuff because at the end of the day, it's, you can do your best, but it, those results might not necessarily come, right? It, like even with weight loss, right? There's going to be times where it's like, man, you hit that gym hard, you know, you ate, you, you know, you hit your macros and maybe you don't lose weight that week, right? And that's okay. You you move on. And that's why you just don't stress yourself, right? Don't stress yourself over things you can't control. Kind of yeah, like trust, trust the process and don't, don't worry about it, right? I mean, you're going to stress, you're going to have stress, but like, yeah. I, I had this conversation a number of times with people in, in my life where it's like, I'm very stressed about X, Y, and Z thing that I'm trying to do, or what if this goes wrong or what if that goes wrong? And it's like, well, yeah, those things might happen. And also is worrying about it going to help? Like right. is stressing about it going to help in that whole process? Or will you right. just head down and, and continue to do the thing? And once a challenge comes up, like then you face that challenge and do your best at it. And I guess perceive everything as a learning experience, right? Yep. Yep. And another way too, you can handle stress is saying, like after you've crossed, you know, all your, you know, dotted all your I's, crossed your T's, like it's out of, it's out of your hands, right? So reaching out to senior dads when you need help, you know, researching on your own. Once you've done all that stuff, it's like, just forget about it. You know, you put in, you know, making sure you're putting in the effort. It's like, it's out of your hands at that point. Like, just let it go. Now, if you're not doing those things, then yeah, you might need to, you might end up feeling a little bit stressed, right? You know, but assuming you've done what you needed to do, just let it go. Let's say, um, let's say someone is maybe they're they're a junior developer, right? They're getting their first job and they're given a lot more responsibility than they think they could handle, right? Maybe they're stressed and really overwhelmed. Um, how would you recommend someone really advocate for themselves and and communicate that to their team? Do just that. Communicate that to their team. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I know, and, and I don't mean to be, I'm joking. I'm halfway joking, but I mean, the answer was in your question. Like literally, like you're just going to, one of the best ways you can be an advocate for yourself is to speak up and say, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. And also too, this is why I'm going back to the interview, like asking upfront what the job, the expectations, because if they tell you the expectations were X, you get to the job and they're Y, you can say, well, wait a minute. You know, you guys told me it was X, it's Y now, what's going on, right? So now you can come through with a position of more strength and you don't have to necessarily worry about feeling like, oh, how's this going to make me look? No, they're, your company's looking bad now because they're not being consistent with their words, right? So, but yeah, but just back to your main question, speak up. Like it, it's not, like the tech, tech space is not a place to be timid. Like you got to speak up. If you're struggling, speak up. And if this is truly a junior role and these people claim that they're supporting juniors, they should have ears to hear, right? They should be willing to help you. Like my last company, they were amazing. I don't know if I'm going to find anyone like them because they were very caring, 
compassionate, understanding, patient. They understood, hey, I'm a junior. Um, and they, you know, like I said, they treated me as such. And hey, if I had issues, I could speak, I could, I could come to them and, and talk to them about them. And you should be able to, to me, that's a sign of a junior role. If you can't go speak to your team about that, about these things, then it doesn't sound like a good role to me. Mm. I definitely had my own experiences, not in the tech space, um, but my own experiences where many managers weren't necessarily creating a supportive environment for, for employees or for staff. And it's a very weird experience. Like when things go wrong, people feel like they can't go up and ask for assistance or advice from a manager. And, you know, I know you're saying like, hey, as a junior, don't be afraid to speak up and advocate for yourself. And you're also saying like, this company had a really good culture and they were clear with me and they they allowed for that kind of space. I, I agree with you, like finding that kind of fit is super important for anybody who's getting into the industry. And I'm hoping that everybody can find that kind of fit for themselves. But regardless, do what you can to be uh, honest with your peers and with your management and your, and your entire team, right? And just ask for that assistance, go out and have those conversations. And if you were hesitant to do that going into a job, like practice whatever you can to do that now, right? By reaching out to folks on LinkedIn or your immediate social network and local communities. And like you said earlier, have those conversations with people you might know and, you know, maybe meet those mentors and get yourself in a position where talking about it is easier because it's not necessarily going to be the easiest thing to do once you're, once you have expectations on you in a new role. Right. And I think that's what the interview is for. It's like, it's like a date managing expectations, you know, figuring out their expectations, you know, knowing yours and making sure they fit. Um, I think it's very important to make sure you are like analyzing this company as well, because it's not going to do you any good to talk your way into a, a job or leak code your way into a job. And you're not really, you know, you're not really ready for it. Right. And that, that you know, and we can probably talk about leak code. I definitely have my opinions on that, but yeah, it's not going to do you any good to do those, those things. And then the job is not really a good fit. Well, um, awesome, Devante. This has been a, a really great conversation and you've provided uh, a lot of information that I think I could use in my future, um, maybe once I get that first role or, or that next interview. So with that, where can people find you now? So definitely I'm heavy on LinkedIn. I also have a newsletter um, called Dev with Devante, and that's actually on Substack. So if you go to Substack and you type in Dev with Devante, you should see me there. Um, those are my two main kind of hubs right now. And so, yeah, those are the two main spots you can find me at. Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll link to all that in the show notes as well. So everybody can find you. So thank you again for hanging out with us, man. It's been fun. I appreciate you guys inviting me. All right. I just want to thank everybody for checking out the show. Uh, if you could do us the kindness of leaving a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice, it will help us out tremendously. And if you're not already, please subscribe. We come out with new episodes every Friday. For Matt Ehrlich, my name is Eric Winklespecht, and thank you for listening to Self-Taught Devs.